Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome. Welcome. A man in the black bag. It's the Improbable Research Podcast. I'm Mark Abrams, editor of the magazine Annals of Improbable Research. This is all about research that makes people laugh, then think. If you like what you hear today, consider supporting us at our website, improbable.com. Now, here's psychologist Jean Burko Gleason. Okay. Okay, what's the title of it here? Attitudinal Effects of Mere Exposure. And you're familiar with the person who wrote it? Robert Zayans. He's quite a famous psychologist. How does he spell his last name? Z-A-J-O-N-C. This was uh, published in 1968 in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. Right. As a special supplement. Okay. You want to know what happened? Yeah. What happened? And this is the very beginning. This is how this, this, this is how study it begins. begins. Okay. On February 27, 1967, the Associated Press carried the following story from Corvallis, Oregon. Here's the story. A mysterious yeah. student has been attending a class at Oregon State University for the past two months, enveloped in a big black bag. Only his bare feet show. Each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 a.m., the black bag sits on a small table near the back of the classroom. The class is Speech 113, Basic Persuasion. Charles Getzinger, professor of the class, knows the identity of the person inside. None of the 20 students in the class do. Getzinger said the student's attitude changed from hostility toward the black bag to curiosity and finally to friendship. This monogram. Okay, and that's that. So now you've reached the end of the the newspaper report, and now you're switching back to. Right. Uh, you're about to switch back to what the study here what says. What authors say, right? Okay. Says. This monograph examines the general hypothesis implied by the above phenomenon. Mere repeated exposure of the individual to a stimulus is a sufficient condition for the enhancement of his attitude toward it. Have you had many students like this one? Sitting in a bag? No, I haven't. No, or sitting in anything else? No, not that's not been my experience. They've all oh. they've sometimes worn weird clothes, but mostly they look like nice people and have been fine. Oh, what's the weirdest clothing that, that you remember offhand? I, I, I don't really remember offhand. Actually, sometimes just students wear inappropriate clothing. I had a friend who went to class wearing a tuxedo, and that seems odd, doesn't it? Like ten or eleven o'clock in the morning to appear in full evening dress. It's a little unusual in most places, yeah. Yeah, but he, he looked good. He looked good. It was just odd. Uh huh. He was an odd person. In what ways? He had weird ideas, like that it would be fun to wear a tuxedo to class. <laughs> so I guess he was right. I guess he was right. Tell me what you think about this situation here with the student in the black bag in the class. Well, 
you know, they're testing they're testing a, a basic hypothesis that just getting used to something, you change your attitude toward it. You know, I don't know what mere exposure means because you don't know what's going, what is going on in the heart of people who are sitting and being merely exposed. You know, they're not merely exposed. They're, they're going through some psychological processes, aren't they? To me, it's odd to call it merely exposed. Okay. No. Because look, let's say you are sitting in a classroom and you look up and there is a person in a black bag. Now, I don't know why you feel hostile, but you might feel frightened or you might feel apprehensive. You might wonder if at some point this person's going to pull out things and throw them at you or, or behave in a weird way because you already have somebody who is very unusual. So you don't know what unusual behavior they might want to engage in. The whole idea of the person being hidden in the bag is what puts you off. But, you know, over time you discover it's not just mere exposure. You discover that it's harmless. You know, you discover that the person in the bag isn't going to do anything terrible. It doesn't say here whether the person talked or not. I got the impression that it, the person didn't. Black well, black. you might wonder whether there's something not nice going on. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. It's not just like the advertising phenomenon, you know, exposure will make you like a product. Mm -hmm. They don't seem to be talking about lessening your apprehension at the same time. Can you recall any experience you've ever had that's even vaguely like this? No, I can't. Can you? Have you had this happen to you? No, I can't say I have. Can't no, I've never I've. known a person in a bag. Uh, is there a lot to be learned from doing this, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, it, it, yes, it's, but there's a lot of interpretation to go on. If you were setting this up as an experiment, what kinds of questions would you be hoping to get answered? I would hope to do more than just find out if you go from hostility to non-hostility. It says they went from hostility to curiosity and finally to friendship. I'm not sure why anybody felt friendly. I would like to know why. If I were setting it up, I would want to find out from the yeah. people participating what was in their mind as they sat with this black bag. I guess we can only wonder what's happened to the person in the black bag. Is he or she still there? <laughs> yes. I don't know if the article tells you about who the person was, really. Yeah. Um, let's skip ahead then to, to look at one other piece of this on page 18 of this study. Dramatically read for us, if you would. Okay. Now Wilson and Baird in 1963 have recently reported more convincing support for the exposure attitude hypothesis. And again, the exposure attitude hypothesis the is... The exposure attitude hypothesis is that as you are exposed to something, you come to like it. Okay. Yeah, that's what advertisers believe. You know, if you see something repeatedly, you're going to like it. So in this particular study they're talking about, slides of nonsense syllables were presented with different frequencies. Frequencies, one, four, seven, and 10. That is how frequent the nonsense syllables appeared somewhere. Okay. Following this exposure training, which also included interspersed presentations of slides with landscapes and with ads. Well, people, so, so, so describe at this point what's going on here. Well, nonsense. first of all, people are seeing nonsense syllables and the nonsense syllables are better and less well-known. Okay, and they're spelled out. For whatever reason, they uh -huh. appear more frequently or less frequently in the world. I don't know where they appear. Okay, but let's, okay. let's take their word right. for it. That they have okay, so, so you'd see some slides that show you some With nonsense letters. Gib and blub and blah. And then they show you some slides with uh, pictures of landscapes right? and some ads and then yep. some more nonsense words and then some more ads and some landscapes. 
That's right. So the following okay. this exposure training, which also included interspersed presentations with slides with landscapes and with ads, uh-huh. female subjects were given pairs of boxes containing nylon stockings, and they were asked to choose the quotes brand they preferred. These brands now is is that a standard kind of experiment, giving subjects pairs of boxes containing nylon stockings? Well, I guess back in the 1960s, people wore nylon stockings. You wouldn't win any prizes now, that's for sure. But maybe you could give them like, you know, uh, I don't know, yoga pants or something. Anyway, Mm -hmm. they were asked to choose the quotes brand they preferred. These brands corresponded to the nonsense syllables previously shown, and they were printed on the boxes. Okay, so they had seen all these syllables, some of which were familiar, more familiar than others. Uh The boxes had these syllables on them, and they were asked which ones they liked best. Okay, Uh The pair comparison data showed a tendency of subjects to prefer the box marked by the more frequent syllable. So they're uh-huh. saying basically that frequency is something you like. If, wow. if it's something you've seen before, something that's better known, you uh-huh. like it better. That's basically what they're saying. This is quite an experiment. It involved nonsense syllables and stuff. So stuff and nonsense together. Yeah, exactly. I wish I, I, I don't know if they would list the nonsense syllables or or where those where they got their frequency data for the nonsense syllables. But I'm sure it's in this very long, complex article. Yeah. Well, what do you make of this? Well, what I make of it is that they're showing that uh, familiarity does not breed contempt, that familiarity breeds likingness. You know, that when you're familiar with something and when you've seen something a lot, you tend to be more favorably disposed toward it than if something is completely foreign to you and not national to you. Mm -hmm. That's basically it. But the basic point that they made was that something that's familiar, you like better. That's what they showed. You know, the more you're exposed to the guy in the black bag, the better you feel about him. All right. Whether you are in a black bag or not, you've been listening, if you've been listening to a genuine episode of the Improbable Research Podcast. Psychologist Jean Burko Gleason joined us on today's brave plunge into the research literature. I invite you to subscribe to our magazine, The Annals of Improbable Research. Six new issues every year. Get yourself some back issues, too. Also, get lots of details about the Ig Nobel Prizes, upcoming events, what's in the magazine, and about how you can help and be part of it via our Patreon. All this at our website, improbable.com. It's possible that Seth Glicksman is the improbable production assistant. Next time on this podcast, we're going to look at something or other. Till then. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>